It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA, Agent Ether, Agent Kruger, and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Discord. Links in the description. This week's episode, The Nazca Lines. Yep, speaking of all things strange... That is the Nazca lines is the definition of. Yes, there. That's I, I think if you want to summer summarize the entire case, the Nazca lines are strange. Case closed. Short episode this week, people. <laughs> hey, it's been great. Let's we'll see you later. Big. Yeah, well, that's what she said. <laughs> that's, yeah, that reminds me of this one time. All right. So, what are the Nazca lines? For anybody unfamiliar, we're talking about what are basically geoglyphs. And geoglyphs is basically a fancy word for, you know, when you were a kid and you would like draw stuff in the dirt with a stick, it's kind of like that, but much, much bigger, right? So big that you can't even tell what they are. If you're walking on the ground, it just looks like a bunch of lines. You can't even see the shapes unless you're flying in an airplane overhead. And that's basically what we're talking about is these big, giant geoglyphs. And it's in the Nazca Desert in southern Peru. And they estimate that they were made around 500 BC to 500 AD, which is kind of weird that they are, they've been preserved for so long. They're basically depressions that are four to six inches deep in the desert floor. The top dirt is made of like a red-brown pebbles that are rich in iron oxide. And underneath of that is like a yellow-gray clay kind of a soil. The clay underneath has lots of lime, which hardens over time when it's exposed to the moisture in the atmosphere, and that created like a protective layer that helped to preserve the lines. The lines vary in width from about 12 inches to 6 feet. The region itself is on a plateau, and it doesn't really have much wind or rainfall, and this allowed for the preservation of the lines. That's, it's one of the driest places on the planet, and it's about uh, 77 degrees year-round, so the temperature is also very stable. So you think, I mean, if you, if you look at, at the lines, they're like six inches deep, and they're like a foot wide. They're really kind of small. How did this survive if they're like 2,500 years old or something? It's pretty crazy, right? But it's because the weather is so stable. There's basically no weather there at all. And actually, I question that in that I wonder if they knew how to preserve them. If it was done purposefully, right? this act yeah. of preservation, like what kind of knowledge did they have and, and were they preserving it for the future? That's it. Yeah. It's an interesting question. Well, and also, I mean, it, originally they could have been much deeper as well. I mean, they're obviously not going to be, they weren't always the same depth or uh, raised up above because some of them are, are gouges in the earth, I guess you could say. And some of them are also like piled up rocks too. But you know, how long have they been in the state that they are in now? You know, originally they could have been a little bit bigger, but not, not much. But I mean, some of these things are, are, are gigantic. Like the, that one, the herring is like 285 meters long. It's huge, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not just the figures, but the lines too. It's just like some of it just say it. Well, a lot of it makes no freaking sense. Yeah. It's, 
I think the longest line is like nine miles long and it's like a perfectly mm-hmm. straight line. How did they make a perfectly straight line nine miles long? And it goes well, over uneven terrain. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was, I was just about to say. Yeah. A lot of these uh, lines are going over hills, some of them mountains, you know, and it's how, how, the, how the hell exactly what you just said. How do they keep that straight line? Some of them are, are basically perfectly straight, and they've also studied this from, like, uh, satellite footage as well. And even, even like, the, uh, the, the orientation of the satellite when it was uh, above was uh, very precise. So, you know, they, they – they knew that like they were looking at something like uh, that, that is actually observable from from space in these lines you know it's just it's amazing and the culture that supposedly did it too that from what i understand they they uh, weren't supposed to have had any uh, written language for example like they're supposed to be pretty uh, primitive i've and, heard the know. stone age has been referred to it yeah um you know very primitive but then again yeah. i feel like it's hard to actually you know understand where they were unless we could get yeah. that firsthand which is you know impossible we yeah we you know so i, I don't know i don't know was there actual like natural viewing our area for this i think like, there I, were plateaus and like higher mountain areas where you could view some of yeah. the geoglyphs but definitely yeah. not all of them and it viewing them from these you would probably be seeing at an angle that it wouldn't you wouldn't really be able to see it in its natural looking shape. Entirety. It would, it would yeah. look like elongated or weird. Um, I, I've read, I think it was something like 1500 feet is the elevation that you would need to be at to see them like really well, maybe a little higher. And mm. I don't think there's any mountains around that are like that high that you you can look down on them from. Well, they're a recent discovery yeah. too. And if you think about it, they're a recent discovery because they really can't be seen except yeah. from the air. Right. They were... Yeah. I mean, people knew about the lines. Like the earliest mention of them was, um, it was in a book from 1553 by Pedro Cieza de Leon. And well, that's that's a sexy ass name right there. <laughs> Pedro right. Cieza de Leon, right? I can't say it right, but um, he but he thought they were just like trail markers. He didn't realize that they were big pictures. And it wasn't until more recently when Peruvian pilots and civilian and Air Force pilots were able to see them from the air in the early 1900s. And that's when the first people really realized that they were big pictures, not just sort of random lines on the ground. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was just a bunch of dudes that were sitting there like, hey, bro, I bet I can make a I bet I can make a monkey right now. Watch. Check this. Yeah. (laughs) Check the spider out. Yeah. The the largest glyphs are I, I I forget the exact, um, for what I have here, I don't know if this is accurate, but what I found was um, they're between 440 and 1,200 yards across, and their combined length is like 800 miles if you were to line all of the lines up, which is, you know, a pretty significant amount of lines to be drawing in the sand, 800 miles. That's a lot of work, even if it is only six inches deep, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, and they're still finding new ones to this day too. They, we, we haven't found all of them, you know. Oh, there's a a lot all over the place. I mean, surprisingly, I mean, we got them in England. We have them here in the United States, Kazakhstan. We got we got them all over the place. Yeah, near near uh, Blythe, California. Yes, sir. Yeah, and then we there's, also have. Uh, I know there's one that I know you would definitely like. Um, it's in England. It's like of a giant, and I forget if it's it's like 180 <laughs> feet tall. 
and he has like a schlong about 50 feet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and that's a, that's a geoglyph worth time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is definitely the one that I'd want to show the aliens. <laughs> you think that was like ancient porn of some sort? <laughs> or maybe it was just an, <laughs> maybe it was a warning like, hey, watch out. We got plenty of spiders down here and monkeys and there's snakes. <laughs> And we also swing a big hammer too. Yeah. <laughs> that one was that one named Thor. <laughs> but the the glyphs in Nazca, they're still finding them today because I guess some of them are not that easy to see, especially the ones that are built on hillsides. They're sort of eroded. Yeah. But they use um, they use like drones and like uh, I don't know AI and stuff to find them. I think Agent Ether is going to talk a little bit. Do you want to talk about the AI, AI right now? Uh, oh, oh, yeah. I just wanted to throw this in. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've also heard that it's uh, reminiscent of a runway. And I, I picked this up back in the days of good old ancient aliens. <laughs> so they were saying how it was shaped as a runway. And when you look at it, some angles, it's like, yeah, yeah, I could get that. But yeah, there, there, oh, yeah. there are definitely ones that are very large rectangles, very elongated. Yeah, know. I think the ones that are rectangles. Well, there are some that are elongated rectangles that overlap. It looks, to be fair, it looks exactly like a runway. It, it really does. Now, I don't think that it is a runway. I'll just say I'll just go on out on a limb and say that right now, but it does look exactly like a runway. It's which is kind of fun. Right? Yeah. Right. Well, you know these these uh geoglyphs too, these large geological figures, they're actually like complexes. So you'll find like almost like systems. So so I was very surprised to find out that like these pictures in the dirt, you know, whatever you want to call them, these geoglyphs, it's not <laughs> just the geoglyphs. Uh, there, there's actual, like, uh, you know, artifacts and structures around them as well. Mm -hmm. And some people have surmised that uh, it could be like a, a, a worship area or somebody somewhere to make offerings. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like some of the offering areas, like the altars that they have found uh, next to some of the elongated rectangles, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, they found like seashells and like stuff like that, like stuff that is related to like the ocean or water, you know? And, and uh, they think that maybe that, you know, some of these areas at least uh, they might have been making offerings to like, you know, th their gods to, to bring more water. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, one of the geoglyphs was a giant whale. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, bring that fat ass water over here. Yeah. <laughs> I remember what, what I was saying. I was saying these geoglyphs are actually complexes. They call them complexes because there's kind of like batches of geoglyphs where it's almost like you're drawing and the pencil was never lifted from the paper and they're connected by lines so that you have a couple together. Then you have these, you know, runways essentially where mm. they're connecting the drawings. Yeah. And the runways, when you look at a picture, like an aerial view of, of all of them, you can see like the things that look like runways have a bunch of lines radiating out from them, sort of connecting everything together. It's really kind of weird looking. Ooh, this dog's being a butthead right now. <laughs> He's so noisy. Yeah. All right. Um, but before we, uh, before we get more into it, let's first, let's say a little bit about like what kind of glyphs there are. So we mentioned a couple of them, but in general, there's a, a, a variety of different types of glyphs, right? Some are like straight lines, some are geometric shapes, others are more elaborate and they're like animals, plants, or people. The most common type is birds, and many of these birds appear to be non-indigenous, but the way the pictures are stylized, 
it looks pretty difficult to me to like pin it on a specific species. They look, they, they just look, they don't look like a real bird. They look like a, like a cartoon bird where it could be any species, species of bird really, you know. There's, there's other figures though, animal figures that weren't indigenous to the area. Right. And the monkey. Yeah. One and my favorite, I'm sorry. My favorite Right, the exactly. Like the monkey. <laughs> and uh, I've or heard it. Or the astronaut. Ex- or the astronaut. But I've heard it explained that they knew about these animals because of long distance trade. If you think about how arid the region is, how little water they're going to be getting, they're going to import a lot of their goods that they need. They're going to trade from yeah. far off distances. And they may not have even lived where they made the glyphs, right? They may have mm-hmm. lived in surrounding areas, but the where the glyphs are is really inhospitable and it would take a ridiculous amount of work to live there. Why not just mm-hmm. live where the actual water is, you know? <laughs> yeah. But there, uh, there's there's some theories about that, but I'm sure we'll get to that well, later. The, the the city of Nazca actually has like an ancient uh, irrigation system that, that's uh, still in use to this day. Right. That's so, yeah. Uh, yeah. It still works. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's still solid work. Yeah. yeah. The way they describe it too, it makes me think of Dune. You guys read or seen Dune where oh, they yeah. have like the underground aquifers the and they're all like linked by tunnels because they have a lot of like descending spiral staircases in, in Nazca where they're like ramps lined with river cobbles, like really elaborate kind of, you know, mm-hmm. systems. I really hope as a the side spice. note that that new uh, Dune movie, or, yeah, Dune movie is going to be awesome. Oh, really hope. Hope. Yeah. one can only hope. hope. Yeah. yeah. It looks cool. I mean, as, as long as it's not, a, as long as it isn't as wacky as uh, the original movie. Well, <laughs> like, here's, here's the thing with David Lynch. He did, he was the director of the first one. He does yeah. a lot of stuff that's weird. And so I'm like, I'm not hating on David Lynch. I know he's got a lot of fans and stuff, but to yeah, me, it yeah. seems like he does a lot of stuff that's just weird for the sake of being weird and no other reason. Like it doesn't seem to fit into the movie. Perfect mm-hmm. example of how like Baron Harkonnen had these weird, like pus things on uh, his don't face. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, and, I knew. Uh, go, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and like, they have this doctor guy, like sucking the pus out of his face. Just like, why? Like, why? Just like, to ingest it. Cause he's, he's uh, has, has nothing just, to do with anything. That that's just as bad as Doctor Pimple Popper. I know I know that that's a popular channel, but I can't. Watch is that on it, YouTube? I knew somebody who was on I there. So. That's so yeah. funny. You knew someone who show. was on there personally. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, like kicking back, and I was in New Hampshire. I'm a Cali boy, so me being in New Hampshire, that's like on a different planet. And I'm watching <laughs> TV with this this you know a family I just met because like my niece is over there with their daughter to go to dance. Anyway, just uh, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I see you know somebody I know. I'm like, oh my god, that's so and such. Ah, uh, ew, <laughs> like just freaking out. <laughs> oh, Never why? looked at, and they actually couldn't fix what was wrong. So that's you know. a sad story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh no, it's fine. It's fine though. Like she's fine, but it was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I just don't need to see all that. I no. do not. That show is evil. But getting getting back to the old movie Dune, it, it's when was that movie made? I should Google it because I have my computer right in front of me. I want to say the nineties. Nineties, no, like early nineties, no, 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 before that. Then. Was it the early eighties, like eighty three or something? Or some of some of. I, well, let me. I have right, no idea. Let me honest. Google it right now. Actually, so Dune movie that should come up with some result, right? For some for some reason, I I. I Nineteen eighty three popped out in my in my dome piece. Uh, let's see, nineteen eighty four. Oh damn, that oh, was close. Right. That was close. That was close. Hot damn. Yeah, look at that. But I dig it a damn. So the thing, um, 
David Lynch's uh, eccentricities aside, it was a really good movie. And I think the special effects still hold up pretty well for what they are. I oh, mean, yeah. Yeah. they got like those giant worms. Like I remember back in the day when I was a kid and I saw that, that movie looked mm-hmm. awesome. And they got like those, those voice weapons or whatever. Yeah, sure. Whatever they do, you know, like, <laughs> I don't, it was yeah. just like such a really crazy flight of fancy. It was just really a fun movie. I, I want to say I'm one of those people though. The book was way better. The book. Yeah. The book was way better. I got to admit. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Although it kind of, I don't know, the book series, if you've read any of the later no, ones. No, I don't like the series, just the first book. It kind of gets really weird, you yeah. know? The second one's okay. It's okay. But after it's that, it, the books go off the rails, in my opinion. Plus, like, the thing is, is they're not going to have, in the in the new one that they're coming out with, they're not going to have Jean-Luc Picard in there, right? What's his name? Yeah, uh, oh, God, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. He's such yeah, a good actor. Patty Stu. He's not going to be in the, he was in the original one. I doubt he's going to reprise his role. Is which which one was he? Was he Duncan? I don't know, but I'm that pretty guy, sure he was Duncan. That guy has sold his soul to the devil. I yeah. swear. You look at him in any decade, yeah. and he looks the same. He's going to live forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, he, he's looking pretty old now. Yeah, because yeah, he he's like us. what, like eighty or something. He's so uh, old now. <laughs> yeah. If you saw him in that. Per- Picard series, you know, he, he was looking yeah. pretty frail. He's old then, yeah. Don't don't talk to me about that series. Yeah, no, that series is sheer fucking hubris. <laughs> no, it's not even it's the writing, man. Just don't get me started. It's just they took uh, yeah. they took his character. He he was like a really uh, he, I don't want to go down that tangent. Never mind. He's a hero. The way the way this the line. Right, so yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'll just yeah, so, I'm way too far off track here. Also, <laughs> I'll just summarize it by saying he was he was like just a, a, an ultimate hero. He's a really good captain, whatever. He's just a great character in the TNG, you know, Star Trek TNG. That show, if you see the scenes that he's not in, that show sucks. He made that show work, right? He, that's how yeah. good of an actor he is. But the in the new one in Picard, they turn the the captain, they turn him into like the ultimate cuck. And it's just, no, nah, huh. it just, they ruined him. They ruined the character. I don't understand captain why they would go that direction. Yeah. They take like one of the most beloved characters in the entirety of the Star Trek franchise. And they just completely ruined him. You know, it's stupid. But anyways, let's get, let's get back to the Nazca lines. <laughs> well, Agent ATI was talking a little bit about uh, religion. Yeah. And the significance of the Nazca lines when it comes to religion. And I just wanted to mention that the people themselves were polytheistic they worshiped nature and they actually thought that their ancestors came from constellations and when they died, they would return to the heavens. Hmm. So it makes a lot of sense that they're creating these large, you know, ge- these large geographical structures. Yeah. You know, are also aligned towards constellations, right? Eh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not really. Some, well, some of them are, some of them are, from what I understand. So, you know, there's groups of, there were groups of people. There wasn't like a centralized government or centralized city. There were groups of like one to 200 people that lived together and each of them worshiped a different God. So one theory is that these geoglyphs were actually representing the different gods that each sect was worshiping. So it was like graffiti, like the, all these different groups were like, nah, my God. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, my God. <laughs> Foo. Well, spiders. <laughs> yeah. Assemble. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of archaeologists have, a, they've made the assumption that it was for religious purposes because that's pretty much what they always do. And it's something that they don't really know why it was there. But I was thinking, what if this was like 
like a dick measuring contest before SUVs and motorcycles <laughs> were invented, you know, like you couldn't just go buy a bigger Keeping SUV than the, your uh, neighbor, Thompsons? but you're just like, Hey dude, I could build a bigger glyph than you, you know, like they build I'd one buy that's that like for a dollar. 500 feet across yeah. be like, okay, well I'm going to build like, one that's 600 feet, you know, getting more and more elaborate over time as well. <laughs> yeah. I, I built a big condor. Oh yeah. Well, I built a big monkey. Oh yeah. Fuck well, your condor. A I made a box. Yeah. Oh, you like a whale, huh? You think that a whale's badass? How about a giant spider? Foo, what's up? <laughs> I made a man who broke his back. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, that makes sense because some of the lines like intersect and they're like drawn over a previous geoglyph. So it makes me think that it really wasn't planned out altogether as one structure. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. That or makes it sense. could have been who was ruling at the time. It's like, well, no. Yeah. If you're living here, you like spiders. And then the next one was like, no. <laughs> if you're living here, you like birds. Boids. Well, uh, you know, to be honest, one of my favorite like uh, theories that I heard about was, so basically, uh, like, uh, think of it like this. Like, a very primitive civilization encounters a very advanced civilization. And then, you know, they're in contact with them for a short period of time, and then that advanced civilization leaves. Well, you know, that, that uh, you know, primitive civilization has probably received quite a few benefits from just contacting those people because, you know, they're going to learn something, you know, for sure. Whether they are given something or just through uh, observation, they're going to learn that other things are possible that they didn't know, right? And um, there's actually a good uh, example of this uh, during World War II, uh, the, the cult of what, what's called uh, John Frum. Uh, have you guys ever heard of this? No. It, it, it was in a so it was in the Pacific. Uh, it was uh, on an island called uh, Tana in uh, Vanatu, I think it was called, or Vanatu. I, I can't pronounce it. I apologize. Anyways, so this primitive tribe was contacted by uh, an American soldier because uh, there were there was American soldiers uh, stationed right there in that immediate area um, because obviously the the Pacific theater, you know, and um, so. The, that person was, you know, he introduced himself as I'm John whatever from America. You know, and and so the you know that that tribe's member thought his name was John from right, and uh, so I guess they gave they gave these people all sorts of different stuff, you know, like uh, supplies and stuff, and you know, um, MREs, I'm sure, you know, and stuff like that. But uh, after they left, you know, the, these uh, tribes people were like, you know, they 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 saw you know all the ships, like the planes and all the technological um, advancements that they they had. And they basically thought that hey, these guys are gods, you know, and so um, they they started a uh, basically like a, a religion uh, that's I think that's called a cargo cargo cults. I think mm-hmm. is what they're called. I think you're right. Oh yeah, I've heard of the car. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so they made like like uh, they kept up the the runways that were made by by the army or the, the navy, whoever made it, uh, air force, whatever, dude. I don't know. Anyways, so they kept up these runways. They, they made like bamboo planes and like 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 a. Uh, like towers and stuff to like, you know, recreate what they had seen, um, hoping to draw back this advanced culture that they had encountered. So to bring it full circle, um, you know, possibly, you know, um, you know, in Nazca, maybe that there was a primitive people that encountered an an advanced people or maybe aliens, for example. Right. Uh, and maybe they're trying to draw them back. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. By making, you know, so in, and the reason why some people think this might be, you know, I, I think it's a, I don't know. It's 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 a good. It's definitely a, a good theory. You know, I like it. You know, um, but yeah. I mean, it, maybe they uh, encountered aliens and uh, 
the reason why you can only see this stuff from from very high up is because they knew that's where the the aliens came from, you know? Yeah, and that's one of the strangest things about this is that it, let's say that, you know, pick a religion, for example, if they build a monument to their religion, it might be big, it might be oversized, they might build a ginormous statue, but I'm not aware of a whole lot of stuff where they build some sort of something that's so big that you can't even see it when you're standing next to it, right? That's how yeah. big these things are. So it it's just sort of makes my imagination go wild that why would they make these things so freaking big? They could have made it 20 feet across and it would have been it would have been effective. Okay, you make it 20, 30 feet across, you can still see what it is and the gods can see it too if they're up in the sky, right? Cuz they're gods, I'm sure they can see it. But these things are, in order to, I mean, you really have to look at the pictures of them. If you've never seen them before, these things are just massive. Like, it's just really hard to understand, you know, how big they are if you haven't seen them for yourself. But it's hard to fathom why they would make them so big. Yeah, absolutely. And this area is definitely on my bucket list. Like Peru, just just Peru, as far as like, like oh, megalithic yeah. structures I want to visit yeah. in my lifetime. You know, it's, like, it's up to... Oh hell! Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's Peru. Oh, I think one one of the uh, the tour groups that uh, I, I'm interested. In, I think it's called Hidden Inca Tours. Or I think I think it's what it's called. But uh, I'm, I'm very interested because they'll take you to like all the different sites that aren't like uh, very popular or or even like ex- excavated. You know. So that sounds so, pretty uh, cool. Yeah, I like that. Uh, but but yeah, oh yeah, Peru has oh, the, the count. It's endless. It's endless. All the different sites. You know, but. These Nazca but, uh, lines, though, they're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, yeah. sparsely populated. There's like a couple villages on the way from like the major cities. And then just like nothing, just this arid death valley. It's just, I can't imagine people living even near there. Because Agent Anderson mentioned, you know, well, people probably didn't live there directly. But even if they lived, you know, 10, 20, 50 miles from there, it's not very hospitable. And it's hot as shit. I mean, they're begging for water. I mean, <laughs> literally, they're, you know, casting anything out for uh, help. Well, yeah. I, and, like, just to uh, repeat, I think we mentioned earlier, this is one of, actually one of the most, the, the driest climates on the planet. I think period. they get 20 like, inches of rain per year on average. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it all comes down at once, basically, too. It'd be nice if we got some of that in California. <laughs> we could use a little bit of that rain. Yeah. But you know what, though? That rain is a very interesting thing to talk about because some of these geoglyphs actually seem to have like drainage structures below them. Um, when it does rain, and when it's very rare, like we said, but when it does, sometimes it tends to all come down at once, like, you know, within a minute or two, and, and then that's it. You know what I mean? Hmm. But um, it has been observed in. Um, it seems like a lot of these uh, geoglyphs, like they don't get wet, like the surrounding areas do. Now, I mean, th- what people think that means is that there's like drainage systems below them, you know, and around uh, the city of like Nazca and stuff also, and, and some of these, are, and there's a lot of tunnels and stuff. I'll just say like, it's not just the, uh, um, you know, to deal with like water and stuff, you know, um, also has to do with drainage. And some of these tunnels that have been found, like they head towards the area. Now I know it's 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 far away from Nazca. It's not like right there, but uh, there are a lot of geoglyphs right uh, pretty close, you know. And um, like uh, I don't know, 
I think that's pretty damn interesting, you know, that, that it's not just what you see on the surface. There's, there's stuff below also. Well, and we're talking about water, and one of the theories that I came across was that it's simply a memorial, a memory of the Great Flood. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? It's very no. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's quite simple, you know. It's, uh, so there's this guy, Robert Bast from Australia, and he just said, you know, there's all these animals and plants and human shapes lying together on the ground. And many of the cultures in the world have these myths. You can find, you know, in a lot of different cultures, the same story. So yeah. the way they were, you know, the way they were lying, it's almost like a memorial or a, a grave hmm. representing the great flood. Yeah. Yeah. The flood story or the flood myth is one of the most common ones uh, as far as like ancient, like a sh- shamanic or uh, ancient religions go. It's, it's, it's e- even uh, there's, there's a uh, flood myth in one of the oldest stories, if not the oldest stories, the oldest epics, at, at least uh, the epic of Gil- Gilgamesh. Right. I mean, there's a flood uh, portion of that, a flood story p- portion of that as well, you know, and we're, I don't want to digress well, I mean, too much. The, I would say the most popular one I think you would be referring to is like Noah's Ark, right? I mean, that well, one. of course. Yeah. From what I understand, every culture pretty much has a flood myth of some kind or other. And yeah. it, it, there's, there is evidence that uh, there may have been massive flooding, but that's maybe a little too far afield <laughs> from, from the Nazca lines. I don't know. Based on the timeline of the Nazca lines, it would have been way before they were built. So the way that they they estimate is they found some wooden stakes at the ends of some of the lines, and they carbon dated those wooden stakes, and that's how we get a rough estimate of 500 BC to 500 AD. And the um, the most recent flood that I'm aware of, again, I'm not like not like a historian or anything, but as far as I'm aware, um, probably sometime around the Younger Dryas, which would have been like 12,000 years ago, would be the nearest candidate for the flood myth. Yeah. Well, at the end of the Younger Dryas, not the beginning. Right. the beginning was like 11,600 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. I forget the exact numbers, but... Um, we, I think we talked a little right. bit about that on our third episode, the uh, when we talked about Gobekli Tepe. Gobekli Tepe, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go back, you guys. It's an early episode, but go back and listen. <laughs> it's a good one. I'm actually more and more as the years go on, becoming more and more of a fan of um, like a uh, not just like a, a meteorite in, impact to either start or begin the Younger Dryas era, but a, a solar flare because there. It, there's a there's some decent evidence on rock that has been like superheated, you know, in certain areas of the world. And the only thing that people think, like, you know, scientists think that that can make could make that happen is a solar flare, you know, that would hit the, the surface. So, but anyways, I mean, we're 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 getting off topic again here. Yeah, but one just one more thing about the solar flare is that if there was a massive solar flare, it could have caused like plasma to occur all over the planet, like in the atmosphere and uh-huh. stuff. And if you look at a, a lot of cultures have this drawing of like this man with a bird head, right? And we're mm-hmm. talking about cultures around the globe that should not have ever had contact with each other. And they all have a very similar drawing with like this man shape with a bird head. That occurs, that's a shape that occurs naturally when you make plasma sometimes. And you can go look up pictures of this. It just blew my tiny little yeah. mind when I saw that. I was like, whoa, <laughs> was it? Uh, that's crazy. I think was it? Was it Robert Schock that originally uh, put forward that that hypothesis? I don't know if he originally put forward, but that's the first place I saw it was on his website. 
and it's yeah. it's pretty dang interesting. So yeah, go look yeah. that up too. I mean, there's this is a whole rabbit hole you can go down. Is the um oh yeah yeah oh yeah this yeah the the ancient uh you know solar flare theories or you know and then there's genetic bottlenecks we could talk about where they think that at one point only three thousand people were left on the planet and they can prove that using like the genetic record or something. But um, yeah, let's let's not go too far. Oh, down that's this. like mass yeah. extinction events. I mean, we were down to a percent. We were down to fucking nothing at one point. But I mean, that can be explained age dating those sediments and everything. The rocks tell us a lot of the ancient references uh, to that have have everything to do with uh, the processional cycle as well, which I find very interesting. But- My takeaway from the genetic bottleneck is: hey, you look across the table at your significant other. That's basically your cousin, you know? Thanks. Sinner. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so, for that. So, hey, Mental if that's, image. <laughs> if that's what you're into, more power to you. If not, better get used to it, you know? <laughs> I don't know. You know, <laughs> they carbon date these stakes, but couldn't the Nazca lines be a lot older? The, yeah, they absolutely I mean, could. if you think about it, they carbon date it based on not only the stakes, but on the ceramics of the Nazca people. Right. But yeah, what's to that's, say... it's a little flimsy. Right. What's right. to say those lines didn't exist before the people settled there? And, and because these lines and these shapes are depicted on all their pottery, you know, it implies that they might have seen them from the air, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they made them. Right. I mean, there could be some kind of relationship there, but, um, you know, like, like the, the saying goes, correlation does not prove causation, right? Right, exactly. And there's, so along those lines, um, one of the interesting hypotheses that I read about was in 1969, Eric von Daniken, who's, you know, I'm sure you're aware of, if, you, if you're listening to this show, you yeah. probably know who he is. Um, he proposed that the Nazca lines were built by aliens. And then later on, a dude named Joe Nickel re- reproduced the figures by using the same tools that the Nazca people were thought to have had. And this was supposedly disproved the idea that aliens had built the lines. Now, I'm not really a fan of the hypothesis that aliens built the lines because it seems like sort of a crude things for aliens to like, they're going to traverse the yeah. stars, come here and then, you know, pick up a big giant stick and draw some stuff in the sand. Yeah, if you compare them to something like crop circles that we can do using simple tools. Yeah. I I don't think yeah. they're that sophisticated looking. But these uh, geoglyphs are amazing, but they're, they're definitely within our capability. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. But Definite on, appeasements to the gods. On the other hand, though, <laughs> I just I just want to point out that um, the the uh, logical fallacy here, I'm not sure exactly what you'd call it. They're all, they all have Latin names and I get them all mixed up. But just because you were able to take some sort of tool set and make the lines doesn't mean that's how those lines were made. And that doesn't prove who made the lines. That just proves that you were able to replicate those lines with a certain set of tools, right? So I I don't know exactly what you'd call that. But I mean, think of it this way. If I bake a cake, right, and I use a certain set of tools, and let's say, I don't know, Dwayne Johnson bakes a cake, that doesn't prove that he used the same set of tools that I did, right? So it's just sort of long. He could have used improvised foil th- things to frost the cake because he, you know, he dropped his fork and he didn't feel like cleaning it or whatever. I don't know. You can come to certain conclusions and it does suggest certain things, but on the other hand, it's not proof in and of itself. That reminds me of this guy um, who built a balloon 
You read oh. about this out yes. of yes with those lawn chair. No, out of oh. the same kind of materials that would be available to the Nazca people, like uh, their their <laughs> you know cotton and a basket, and they made a hot air balloon so that these people could you know go up, and he managed to get it up for about fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like. And then he plummeted to his death. No, nobody plummeted to <laughs> yeah. their deaths. It was up there for 15 minutes. Dipshit. And it, I mean, is that enough time to 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 view them? And how does it mean that they made them? I don't know if there's a relationship there. Well, a couple of ideas. First of all, if this is this guy's first attempt, you're talking about people, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have television. You know, all they have to do is just sit around and like, you know, twiddle their thumbs all day. So they probably, if they had the technology to make hot air balloons, they probably would have made a bunch of them and they would have perfected it and got them to work for longer than 15 minutes. Now that said, the main problem with that particular theory is if they had built hot air balloons, there would have probably been some sort of evidence. And you would either have found some of the balloons or replica or remains of the balloons, or you would have seen drawings of the balloons on the pottery or just something, just like a hint of them having had that technology. That's a good point. There's nothing on the pottery. There's not, a, there's not a shred of evidence that these balloons ever existed. They've recovered tons of ceramics, and they're very elaborate, a lot of different colors, some of the most colorful pottery in Peru. And they're very, like, almost three-dimensional, mm-hmm. the way that they um, kiln them. Yeah. And they depict different stories. So as you turn the the pottery around, the ceramic around, you can see like battle scenes or, you know, a story. And you're right, I've never seen a anything that looks like a hot air balloon. Right. On yeah. the ceramics. I didn't do a deep dive on this one, admittedly. So I'm I'm speaking of um, you know, third hand information here, but I did read up on it a little bit and there appears to be zero evidence that they actually made a hot air balloon. It's a fun idea. I really like the idea. But it doesn't. There doesn't seem to be anything to support it. Well, how about just magic? How about they just made them using magic? I like oh, I that. Love magic <laughs> by a little boy named Harry. <laughs> yeah, th- this was actually <laughs> who lived in the cupboard under the stairs. This was actually an archaeologist, <laughs> Professor Kaufman Deutsch, who proposed that they were magic in origin. Which you know, somebody who has the name Professor associated with themselves suggesting that it was magic just tickled me. Was it an online degree? I don't know. I guess it could have been like an ordained minister kind of situation. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm an ordained minister. <laughs> you guys know that? It's from the uh, the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Nice. I think I signed <laughs> I signed up for the Church of Dudism. I, I'm pretty sure I'm ordained there somehow. I don't remember how exactly, but <laughs> like if, if I'm going to go balls deep in any religion, it's going to be the that particular religion because why wouldn't you you know uh, sounds like fun for the whole family yeah white russians <laughs> awesome rugs that really tie the room together i mean come on dude what more do you want out of life you know all right all right <laughs> uh let's see here um i think uh, so i had some theories and stuff that agent ether sort of mentioned you didn't mention the hallucinogens oh did i, I thought i did mention that no. Everything's built. Oh, with I mentioned that before the show. I told you to save it for the show. Oh, he, damn it! Agent, okay. Agent Anderson was talking to me about show topics before the show. I kept telling him, "Don't do it." All right. So one Don't one theory, one theory I read about that I found very compelling was that um, the the lines were drawn not for somebody in the sky, 
but for sham shamans or anybody doing like a ritual involving hallucinogens and they, it gave them an out of body experience and they were, their soul or their spirit or whatever you want to call it was they able to rise above the ground and up there, then they would be high enough to see the, the glyphs, the shapes that they made. And the reason I, I find this one so interesting is because there are, there are like so many people who have reported out of body experiences and strange things we touched on on an earlier episode. It's like, I don't know what to make of it, but it's hard to just dismiss it outright when so many independent people have reported very, very similar things. And I'm talking about things like, you know, hovering above their own body and hearing conversations when they were supposedly comatose or like in a state of like, you know, being medically dead or even hovering above the room or above the building they're in or stuff like this. I don't know what to make of it. But on the other hand, uh, like on one hand, it's hard for me to like take it seriously because it's something I've never experienced. But on the other hand, it's hard for me to dismiss it because there are just so many reports of it that it's kind of makes me wonder, like, is this really a possibility? I think it might be. So it's a really fun theory. Oh, totally agree. I totally would get behind that one. Get really high and just start drawing shit and then land. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, I think we, I think we touched on a little bit already. Um, I think agent uh, ETA was talking about it is that a lot of people think that some of them were astronomical, the problem is, is that some of them do kind of line up to where the constellations would have been, but a lot of them don't. But a fella named Albert Russell Castro proposed in 1977 that there might be multiple categories. He suggested three categories. So one of them would be different tracks connecting irrigation. Those might be like the straight lines, different axis between mounds and cairns. So like burial sites and astronomical glyphs. So his idea is basically that not the glyphs were not all created for the same reason, but there are different purposes for each set of glyphs. I think Agent Ether was also talking about this a little bit. You know what it makes me think of is the Voynich manuscript. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. You know, and mm. if you think about they could be like ancient writings. Uh-huh. Maybe these geoglyphs were actually hieroglyphs and represented, you know, a, a language, a written language. Huh. What were you going to say, ETA? Well, I, I was just going to say that some of these lines uh, end up uh, like lining up with the sun, the sun on the horizon during like like the winter solstice, for example. Yeah, they do, and that's why I was saying earlier. I was sort of like, well, maybe, but it's hard because if they were all astronomical things, they don't all line up to astronomical things, right? A lot of them don't. Yeah. But yeah. if only some of them were meant to be astronomical markers, because some of them do line up. And some of them don't. I think 10%. 10%, Yeah. So if some of them were astronomical markers, some of them were for other reasons, then that would explain why you can't classify all of them under any single definition. They couldn't all be for irrigation. They couldn't all be for astronomical purposes. They won't all fit into a single use definition. So it would make sense that there's multiple categories of them. So I kind of like that explanation, even though it it doesn't necessarily, it, it doesn't address why you would build these things so freaking big that you can't see them mm-hmm. unless you're way up in the air, you know, but um, besides that, it's still a really interesting idea. Well, I'd like to point out that, you know, if they're much older too, than we think they are, you know, if you think about how astronomy works in the direction of the stars changing over the centuries, I don't know. I'd like to see a model where they go back in time 
right. and try and, you know, date yeah. them as being older and then seeing if they, they coincide to more, you know, astronomical figures, zodiac signs, whatever. Yeah. Well, and like I was saying, if you look at, so there's, if you look at the whole area, there's these glyphs and there's like these runway things, but there's also these straight lines that run throughout the whole area. And when you look at it, it looks like a map of some kind. It just looks really weird. It doesn't look, it looked like it's somehow interconnected. It doesn't look like just individual glyphs that were randomly drawn. It, I don't know. It, it just looks like, like a coordinate system or something. And some people think that it is a map of like coordinates for like somebody flying overhead or something, which I'm not sure I buy that, that like space aliens would need a big giant map drawn in the dirt to find their way around. I mean, if they came here from another star, they're not going to need that sort of stuff. Right. But I mean, it does, it does look kind of like some kind of map. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know if you guys saw those pictures where it shows like the whole area. Oh yeah. What if it's like a little roadmap just for the locals? Maybe they were trying to build like spider city, bird city. That was, that was the, uh, the original Thomas guide, right? You guys remember those things? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. God. Oh, yeah, you yeah, had to have yeah. one for each County. Yeah. I, got, I just remember getting so lost. I'm so happy for my phone. Yeah. It, it does make life <laughs> a lot easier for all you kids out I still, there. I still have one of those maps in my car as a backup. <laughs> for all you kids out there before the invention of the cell phone, before navigation apps and before Tom Toms and Garmin, whatever, uh, you used to have a book for when you were driving outside of your town. It was just a book with map grids on it. And you'd have to try to find where you were on the map and how to get from yeah. point A to point B. It was doable. I mean, it wasn't the hardest well, thing to do. You to read it. Yeah. You know? It wasn't impossible. It was just a pain in the ass. I have a horrendous <laughs> sense of direction, too. It's definitely a good analog backup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. As long as as long as you have like one that's updated and like has the majority of the current roads at least on there, you could navigate your way to where you need to go. You know. Yeah. Oh, they're useful. They're definitely. If I had to go through areas with poor reception, I'd probably have one. But luckily, I don't have to that often. And when I do, it's usually a straight shot from point A to point B. There's no detours. You know. I'm having yeah. flashbacks. I think I'm having some PTSD. And then MapQuest <laughs> came and ruled them all. Yeah, that's. I mean, the, there's the occasional, you know, error in when, you know, Google Maps will take me to the wrong spot. Or the middle of nowhere. Yeah, or, you know, it'll glitch out. But in general, it's pretty good, you know. I just, I remember I've ending up. i that happen running late for work. I, I remember ending up that. in, like, empty fields. Yeah, really. <laughs> You're like, I'm like, this cannot be the right way. When it, this, when it, this isn't the LA Opera. What the hell is this? Well, especially when Google Maps first came out and yeah. there were like newer areas, like newer cities that were being built. Right. And it would get really confused. And then I would be really confused. Yeah. So another idea to get back to the Nazca lines, you like, you like that. I'm getting better at the segue there, guys. You, you see that one? That was... <laughs> That was masterclass oh, level right there. It was, it was quick and crisp. Yeah, but getting back to the Nazca lines, uh, some people think that it wasn't it wasn't just like like to say you know like a map or something, but it was actually some sort of communication. Either us communicating to somebody in the sky, where you know it'd be basically it would be aliens or aliens trying to communicate with us. Because like I said earlier, it wouldn't make sense that aliens would come here and then draw some stuff in the dirt with a stick. But if aliens wanted to send us a message and they wanted to do it in such a way to where we had to develop a little bit to receive that message, I mean, it's plausible that it could 
be either direction, either people trying to send a message, draw something that would be visible from the sky, or aliens trying to basically encode something that we wouldn't be able to really do uh, view until later on. And the thing that kind of makes me wonder about that, like I don't, I don't really think that's the case, but some of these geometrical patterns are really elaborate. Like they have like ratios, like the golden ratio encoded in them oh, and yeah. stuff. Well, some of like, they're ex- extremely advanced. And, and yeah. like what that tells you about it also is whoever did those particular geoglyphs were very mathematically advanced. Like, like for, for example, the, uh, the Estrella star in the category of, of Estrella, I guess you could say, right? Yeah. That, that one is, is whoever did that, they knew their mathematics. There's, there's no doubt about that. You know, and it also, uh, uh, it's similar to um, in the Hindu religion, like uh, was it the palpa? Is it what it was called that, that that religious symbol? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'm not familiar with that symbol. Yeah, neither am I. I think he's making but, it up. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, I, I just I remember vague. I vaguely remember like reading something about this, but you know what? I don't know. I don't know enough to really. I guess comment on it fully, but I, I was hoping I, I was putting the the fishing line out there. I was hoping one of you guys like me more than I did. About <laughs> uh, it, <you> know? <laughs> I mean, I have I mean, Google. I could Google it. I guess I was expecting <laughs> Agent Ether <laughs> to, to back me up to on like, this. Oh yeah, yeah. That let me tell you about that. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I <laughs> if it adds on to the mystery, I mean, even the people though that built those lines, just dis- I mean, their disappearance was you know rather strange you know and they sudden. mysteriously kind yeah, of they just did. suddenly disappeared right I mean, yeah they, they mm-hmm. think it was an invading tribe i don't remember which one i think it's in my notes somewhere from what i remember it was because of that very possibly due to the lines itself was the you know shooting themselves in the foot because they those ancient rituals or whatever the hell they would be doing uh went over some of the pathways or the sacred pathways that they had already set in place and it kind of just messed up the ecosystem within the area i i, I don't know like I'm, I'm probably wrong but either that or they're giving warning of what they I hate love around those, the area those internet videos like, of people just like like massacring themselves like by like handling a gun improperly you know <laughs> what <laughs> you like, never seen those ones nope what shooting yourself in the foot that's what it reminded me of you ever <laughs> seen those ones no I've, okay never mind no that. i've never i'm seen just those. thinking of like planet of the apes like the promos when they had that when they they would like grab a gun and then like look down the barrel of it like, the I, I don't watch that many inter- random internet videos but like the kind of stuff I, well, the last one I watched was, uh, cats that sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger or, or something. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I did too. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. I, I think I sent that to, uh, did I send that? I don't think I sent that to crew. Was that? No, who, I need that though. Yeah. I, were you the, I, was it a soul pillar? Was it agent soul pillar that uh, sent it, sent us that? You mean, uh, you mean agent, uh, peak or lock agent lock. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, that was me that discovered that. Um, Okay. I, I was just Googling, uh, I Googled Arnold noises because that I'm a weird person and that's just the kind of thing I do. <laughs> Did you really? That's very random. <laughs> and, <laughs> if I, I'll, I'll send this video to Agent <laughs> oh, Kruger right now, but uh, watch it later maybe because, you know, I don't, uh, I don't no, know. I'm later. not really sure if we're allowed to play somebody else's audio or not. So I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. 
it is a video, so context is important, and and like the listeners may not like. Yeah, they they, they won't yeah. get. The, I mean, the context isn't going to be there. And you know? that's why we go. add Discord. And up it will go on social media. Yeah, we'll put Did it. You say disco. We'll put it. No Discord. We'll probably put it in Discord. Oh. But the the title of the video is um, it's uh, if cats sounded like Arnold, and it's. It's stupid. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. <laughs> but, but it makes you laugh. It's also hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's and one of those things. Should also, this should also probably go on YouTube and look up a, um, a song by this fella. He's a country fella. Uh, his, his name is Mojo Nixon. Don't do it. <laughs> no, oh, that's somebody it. else. That's it. somebody. That's not even no. Arnold's voice, though. No, I'm doing, doing it. That. No, I'm, I think I'm we'd be doing okay. it. If we um, give credit to the YouTuber or whoever made that, yeah, I don't think that I don't think that's Arnold clips. I think that's somebody imitating him. Yeah, but it's yeah. still funny though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mo- Mojo Nixon in the song you need to look up is "Tie My Pecker to My Leg." What? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, yeah. Do that at your own I, risk. Don't you hate yeah. having to do that? <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah, it's a, it's a agent HK suggests to look at online, it's at your own risk. Yeah. I can sing it for you. You want me to sing it for you? No, 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 no. We don't want. We don't need those copyright <laughs> strikes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, they'll copyright. Yeah, you right. Anything. No, you right. We'll get, we'll, we're not even on YouTube, so I don't know how that works on other platforms. Except for they'll probably just be like, "Nope, <laughs> you do not have the rights to use this." So screw you. you hum buddy. that damn song. Too familiar. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll do it this right. time. I'll do it this time. What? Back to the Nazca yeah, lines. Yeah, all right. Back to the Nazca. <laughs> here we go. And now it's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. Just <laughs> yeah. start doing the intro over again. One of the theories <laughs> that, so I watched the episode, I'm sure they've covered it a couple of times because the ancient aliens, they'll, they tend to recycle material sometimes, but I saw an episode that they did on the Nazca lines and one of the interesting ideas was, so I, you know, they say stuff. And it goes by so quick. I'm like, wait, go back and talk about that a little bit more. But they said on there that now take it with a grain of salt because this is ancient aliens. But they said on there that there were like magnetic anomalies in the area and that under like the lines of themselves, there were like magnetic fields that they couldn't explain why. Usually when there's a magnetic field in the ground that's anomalous, they can tie it to some sort of mineral deposit or something like that. But they were saying that, uh, or at least suggesting that these magnetic anomalies could not be tied to anything that we could figure out. And they said that maybe there was some mysterious mineral in the area that we were not aware of, that the aliens had come to mine back in the day. Well, and they also it's, said, it's, it's yeah, that's very interesting. If I might be able to just uh, uh, interrupt you real quick. Yeah, go ahead. It's very interesting that you've said that because I've actually, I've actually seen quite a bit of video because Peru, like I, I mentioned before, is one of those areas I'm I am very interested in, like the the ancient megalithic structures within, you know. Mm-hmm. And there has been quite a bit of structures that, like people will for, will, for example, take like a, a compass up to. The compass starts spinning out of control when it gets next to this this particular stone, you know, and, and within a complex or something like that, or within you know a, a ruined structure, and it, it makes no sense. Like you know what what it, what that is doing in um it's. Well, no, th- there's been a lot of like, uh, like, uh, magnetic, uh, like fields that have been measured coming out of some of these structures and it makes no sense. Like, like, for example, like a cell phone or a satellite phone, like will become completely unusable within a certain, like, uh, area. You know what I mean? Hmm. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to exa- like explain what's going on as I'm watching this stuff, but I know I've seen those videos and it 
they don't seem to be faked to me. You know, I mean, I could have been fooled, you know what I mean? For sure. But I find that very interesting because a lot of these structures are, are also built like on, uh, you know, intersecting mag- magnetic ley lines on the, on our planet, you know? Hmm. So yeah. I, I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, that's actually, I want to do a whole episode on ley lines eventually because it's an interesting yeah. topic. But Oh, yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll get to that eventually, yeah. But the, uh, the lines themselves, they also said that they conduct electricity or something. And it's that like... That it's like an electric diagram. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not that they conduct electricity. No, no, but no, no, they said they conduct electricity. Oh, not just that yeah. it's like a diagram. But they, you know, like if you've seen ancient aliens, you'll know, like they do some stuff where... They'll just throw it out there and mention it, and then like thirty seconds of it, and then <laughs> then they move on to another topic. But I'm like, wait, wait, well, go back. My, go back to that. That was really interesting. Go, you know. My favorite part is how they how they set up their statement. Like uh, some people have said, and yeah. I know I use this shit too, <laughs> to be quite honest, because it's it's part of my comical shtick. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I I love this shit because I just find it so funny. Some people have said, or it has been surmised, you know, or you could say that's the most common one. You could say, you could yeah. say anything. You know, they, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> well, and that's that's a really clever way to get away from any sort of responsibility. Like, let's say I said, "Agent ETA is a piece of crap." If I just said that. That's like, what is it? It's like libel or slander. I forget which one, right? Or just rude. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you one thing. It wouldn't be the first time. But if I said, some people say agent ETA is such and such, I'm not saying it. So I'm no longer liable for it. It's brilliant. You know, it's, it's the, it's the easy button. Genius. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't really seen many episodes of ancient aliens. Oh, you, oh my God, you should definitely. It's, it is a hoot and a holler. I tell you what. Oh Yeah. (laughs) Especially the guy that looks like he bit into a live wire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know there's some fans, though. People like Georgia it. It's a, it's a popular yeah. show. Well, here's the thing well, about- the frustrating thing is, like, they do mention some things that are legit. Yeah. You know, but then then they also just throw enough, like, at first, like, I, like the first couple of seasons, I remember when it came out, like, I was a big fan, you know, uh, and I was like, oh, cool, dude. You know, like, another another show that's uh, going to touch on stuff that I'm interested in, you know? Yeah. And, and um. But very quickly, I realized, okay, this is just all being sensationalized. And, like, there's definitely a, an effort to make this seem ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Well, it, it seems like they have all the personalities they have on the show are sort of like, like, they start with something that's sort of like, okay, that's plausible. And then they move on to something that's a little less plausible. And, like, they, by the time they get to, like, like Giorgio Sukulos or what's that guy's name? Like David Wilkes or whoever. Those guys are just mm-hmm. like, whoa, like way out there. Like, you know, like <laughs> it just gets crazier and crazier. Like they, and each guy, like they have like Eric, Eric Von Daniken, by the way, is on that show quite often, which is really cool. Yeah. But like his stuff is, he's a little more grounded in what he says, whether or not you agree with him, he at least bases it on something. Right. And then you get to like yeah. Giorgio Sukulos who like for for example on the Nazca lines he was talking about the astronaut guy which some people call him the astronaut some people call him the giant whatever it's i'm not convinced he looks like an astronaut but hey why not you know let's say he does <laughs> but the figure mm-hmm. itself looks like it could be a humanoid figure with one hand pointing up and one hand pointing down right so <laughs> what giorgio says well, this looks like a guy who's pointing up the sky with one hand and pointing down to the earth with another hand as if he's saying, look up there, 
We saw something up there. We saw aliens up there flying overhead. Or could he over could this he be earth. saying as above, so below? Yeah. We're or, here and you're there. Or he, he said something along the lines of that, like he was pointing up to the sky to say that there's aliens up there flying above the earth, which he was indicating with his other hand, pointing down or something. I was like, I'm not seeing that, buddy. I mean, you know. It's cool, actually, this gives me an idea. Cool story. This gives me an idea. <laughs> Maybe the astronaut really represents a giant because that's that's kind of a popular thing that the Earth used to have giants on it. Yeah, the um, Nephilim. Right, exactly. So maybe the giants created the lines. Oh, you like sure. that? Be. Yeah. yeah. How big are these giants supposed to be? I don't know much about them. Triumphant. They'd have to be pretty big. No, I meant in, <laughs> in popular current current popular culture. How big are these giants supposed to be? Are they just like? 10 feet, 20 feet. Oh, yeah. The, the big ass giants. It depends on what's, what story and what region you're looking at, but they're generally like, yeah, 10 feet or something like that. Oh, well, that's not that big. No, not big enough to draw the lines. I mean, how big was yeah. Andre? I mean, that's 10 feet's completely plausible. Andre the giant was friggin' huge. Yeah. But There's he was, uh, and then let's see. It? I think Andre the giant, he was like seven foot something, wasn't he? I'm going to use the power of the internet here. Let's see. No, what about Maximus Thrax? That uh, one of the Roman seven, emperors. Seven four. Hey, Maximus Raximus was not in the Princess Bride, so whatever, dude. I don't care. Maximus Thrax. <laughs> um, Maximus Thrax, <laughs> the one that actually recorded in history, was uh, at about eight foot. See, I don't think ten feet is that implausible. I just right. don't. I think that's totally. Uh, neither do I. Yeah. Well, Reasonable. I mean, there was so much carbon in the air at one point too uh-huh. that there was anybody that was resembling a human back in the day, they'd be massive. I mean, there was so much shit in the air. We went through different cycles where you know our environment dictated how the creatures are walking on Earth. You know, lived. You know, some had pl- hardened skin and armored plating. You know, thus having. You know, something like the Triceratops and others, Stegliosaurs and all that stuff. And then you move on from that to, you know, big aqua area or big aqua era where, you know, you have a lot more fish in the ocean. Everything's underwater. And I don't know. It's just shit goes. Our Earth has been through some drastic cycles. We could use some more fish in the ocean now. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Or at least clean fish. Or we could just stop throwing shit in the water. Make, yeah. <laughs> that helped. A <laughs> little late for that. <laughs> I mean, I, I think uh, I think it's we're catching on to it. I mean, it might as well, uh, better late than never, right? I mean, I we could only have a trash pile the size of Texas to deal with. But hey, you know what? Yeah, like... It's a start. A big, giant uh, pool, like a continent-size floating thing of plastic beads or whatever it is, right? Like yeah. Anal beads. Well, the Dixie fire was as big as the state of Rhode Island. Wow. So <laughs> okay. if we want to do some comparisons here, I was like, that is one big fire. I think it's still burning. And somebody blow that out already. Yeah, no kidding. That's only the size of Rhode Island. How hard could it be to put that out? <laughs> I mean, literally, the state is on fire. I mean, the country is on fire. I mean, the world is on fire. I hate taking ecology courses because this is exactly what they were talking about happening later yeah. on in life. Yeah. And it's like, oh, God, it's actually happening. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think it'll get as bad for our time. I mean, it's going to get bad, but I just, I pity, you know, the future generations. It's like, Yeah, my kids it, but, worry yeah. about climate change. They're yeah. 10 and 13, and they worry about climate change. 
Yeah, yeah. My niece and nephew do about the same thing, and you know, ever our young generation right now is smarter than ever. You know, coming right off the bat with technology in their hand. Yeah. So, all right, let's get back to the Nazca lines. I think we've <laughs> said that like ten times this I know. episode. There's a lot, a lot of diversions <laughs> on this one, I suppose, but that's how it always goes. Yeah, we're so waiting for our fellow agent. I don't know if we talked. We talked a lot about some of the specific lines. But I don't think, I think we, maybe Ether might have mentioned it. There are some lines, like there's a bird that looks like he has like an electrical sign. Like, have you ever seen an electrical diagram? And it's got some of those wavy things or whatever. It looks like a saw wave. There's a bird that has like that as part of his head. And like some of the glyphs kind of look like electrical diagrams. Yeah, oh, yeah. like antennas and receptors yeah, and switches. Yeah. The, the one you're talking about was called the her- uh, the heron, I think, was a... Was it the Heron? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was one. That was one of the bigger ones. That, yeah. that one is huge. And like, yeah, you're right. Like the neck and between the body and the head, what I would think would, would be the head, I suppose. Um, it looks like a freaking like a radio wave or, or like a hey, like a yeah, exactly like what you like what you said, like an electrical diagram, like a saw know, wave. Like between, looks, like, looks like exactly like a saw wave. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's up with yeah, that? And, and yeah. The parrot, like that, that one that's called the parrot, looks like it has a, like a, a tuning fork on its ass or some shit. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know what the hell that means. What is that supposed <laughs> to mean? I've never seen a bird with a tuning fork on its ass. That's not normal. <laughs> that's a Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, you is that it? A, a Tunamon or something? <laughs> <laughs> a Tunamon. Yes. It makes sense now. Yeah. I, I, guess, I guess these were just the ancient Pokemon, I guess. But not trading cards. Well, a, a Tunamon, a Tunamon could be like the uh, the best Pokemon ever because the potential power it could have. See, I mean, everything in existence, right? Everything that you see as a, a solid or anything that you can see around you holds its own celerity to its own frequency. Correct. Everything vibrates at a certain frequency at a certain. Hertz, oh yeah, right. That's true. So even your own DNA does that. It, your own DNA is like it's almost like you could say it's like a, a fingerprint. You know, mm-hmm. it has its own particular frequency, frequency that it, it vibrates at. So that's and, why um, we twerk. twerk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not twerking. Gosh, are you twerking? Darn it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Seriously, ferociously twerking. <laughs> really, dude? <laughs> I was I was starting to get I was starting to get into the weeds right there, man. And I just got like completely derailed. I missed the whole <laughs> twerking bus, though. No, I do appreciate twerking. I, I just never partake myself. When done well, I'm not talking about me twerking. Are you kidding me? No, <laughs> I'm just talking about when it's done right. When yeah. it's done right, you know, it's that that's that's some good shit right there. Uh, I'm sir. too old for that. I'm just throwing my back if I try it. <laughs> You're not that old. <laughs> I'm too old to do that. <laughs> you just gotta do enough core exercises. More you know? core. Yeah, P90X, yeah. yo. That's, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Hey, well, the original one. I'll, it takes a lot of time, but it, holy crap, it works. Hell yeah. I, uh, one of my cousins has a, uh, one of the, like, this, it looks like a skateboard, like one of those mini skateboards, like you would use in a video game, like for the Wii or something like that. And you stand on it. And like, there's these little motors that kick up when you press the on button and it shakes your, and just shakes your entire body. And it's, just, <laughs> it, it's the auto twerker. Hmm. <laughs> like a little earthquake simulator. Do you stand on a platform and it doesn't have a big waistband that goes around your love handles? And That's exactly just, like, what I was hoping shake, shake, when you would say. Yeah, I know shake, it's shake, very shake. similar to that, but just without the band. And it's it's actually very, very pleasant. Like if you've been standing up for a long time <laughs> or your back hurts, it okay. helps. It's it's great. I can see that. 
kind of shakes everything loose. Not a sponsor for it, but yeah, definitely. If you guys know, <laughs> you should definitely try it. Get it. Oh, okay. Dude, that could probably shake so many farts out of you and stuff. You had, <laughs> oh, most definitely. <laughs> well, I mean, if you had some hiding in the corner somewhere in your bowels, you know, probably shake that shit loose. Hey, get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, sometimes those can be the worst ones, too, because they've been sitting there soaking up the sauce, you know? <laughs> I like that. Sauce. <laughs> okay, well, well, back to the Nazca lines. He's laughing because I'm just shaking my head. <laughs> There's, there is one more glyph that I wanted to talk about, uh, and I I didn't see a whole lot of talk about this one, but they did talk about it on Ancient Aliens. Um, Linda Moulton Howe was talking about it, and it's this six-mile-long triangle it's like a perfect triangle. And the thing that's really interesting about it is it's sort of the whole, it's not just a line, but the whole thing is depressed. The way she described it was it looks like some somebody like stamped down on it and squished down the whole area. I don't think she used the word squished. But the the thing is like if if people were to make this, that's like that's so much material to move, even if even at a six-inch depth, the minimum depth of six inches. I couldn't find how deep this particular one is even at six six inches of depth the area of this triangle must be phenomenal and that is just such a tremendous amount of earth to move that it's unbelievable yeah. so even i found that inches, one to be, as long as you know how to use it i mean you could do some serious damage it's for, you know? for which what i don't know <laughs> I was just huh? saying, even, even with only six inches, you can still do some serious damage. If you oh, know, right. Yeah, if you, you know, hey, you know how to swing that thing around, you get, you get the job done, you know? But yeah, but yeah the, just the, the sheer size of this thing, and they showed pictures of it, and I was like, dude, that, that thing is so, like, just, it's so huge. Like, how would people move all that dirt? Where would they have, well, it's kind of like, like pebbles and rocky soil, but where would they have moved it? Like, it, the whole thing is just kind of weird. And I don't know, it, it looked like only the edges where the lines were, were visible in the middle. Maybe that's why she said it looked like it had been pressed down because it didn't look like the under, like the clay underneath had been exposed. It just looked like it had been kind of pressed down. It's just so weird, but I don't know what to make of that one, but I just wanted to mention it. But I think so. Ether, do you have some uh, theories that you haven't mentioned yet? Oh, man, we went through most of them. Okay. For sure. The ones I have left are really fringy and don't have great explanations. Yeah, but those are some of the, some of the fun I ones. I don't know. So there's this one where, like, uh, they had a lot of, the Nazca people had a lot of knowledge about looms because they were famous for their tapestries. So the idea is they kind of scaled up this loom technology, and they had, like, hundreds of men using strings in order to like lay them down and draw uh. these straight lines and the way that they, yeah. So, so then they would be able to, you know, they would organize all these people and their positions would be defined by these lines. That, that definitely seems possible. Like, like maybe that's the reason why some of those ancient uh, rotted sticks were there. You know, I saw that one and I found it kind of confusing because I thought, are they trying to make like a, a big giant, yeah. like 600 foot <laughs> right. jacket or something? Like, like there's no evidence for that. No, I think it has to do with the technology, scaling up the technology. Oh, I see. Okay. I misunderstood when I read that. I was like, dude, if they hadn't been making 600 foot long jackets, we would have found them, right? There would have been some evidence of that. And <laughs> how are you going to get the materials for that? <laughs> they're, they're not, there's not enough sheep on the planet for that, right? That's a lot of sheep. Or whatever. I think they're alpacas and llamas. Okay, well, whichever. They didn't have enough to they make that very, size of clothing. Very talented trainers. Yeah, those alpacas can be a real asshole. 
<laughs> I was just at a wedding where they had three alpacas. Why? Why? Shit. I don't know why. It was just the owner of the land where we were having a reception. Why not? It was pretty awesome. And it was, you can't <laughs> look at them. Here? You can't pet them. You can't get near them because they'll spit, kick, and shit on you. Or but fart they look on you. so cute, though. I know they they're are awesome, right? They are pretty cute looking. Yeah, they are. It's true. You just got to look at them and be like, oh, you're looking at you, you're a <laughs> <laughs> I dare you yeah. to walk up to an alpaca and say that. It <laughs> <laughs> will mess yeah. you up. You're right. That is a statement that is made by somebody who's never actually met a, a real one in life. <laughs> you know, in the, in the actual, you know. <laughs> I, I think so, I've yeah. seen them at the zoo. I don't think I've ever like pet one though. Yeah, I may have seen one at a zoo at some point in my childhood or something. I don't remember. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, I don't know. I tried petting one, but he was a spitter. <laughs> <laughs> so are llamas better? Like, like I think a llama they're be both. More calm or I think or? they're both assholes. I think it doesn't matter. Equally Camels. Yeah. So it's and, like so it's so it's like a cat, like a domestic a domesticated cat. You know, I gotta just put this out there. I'm not a cat person. Yeah, but I have met uh, I have met a cool uh, cat in my day. You know, what I mean, there's a couple a couple cats like I think they're way more hit and miss than a dog would be. You know, what I mean, yeah, there there's bad dogs out there, but there's also like like cats if they were big enough, they would kill you. Like it doesn't matter if you're their their owner. They or got whatever. that hungry mm-hmm. look in their eyes. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter to them that you're the one feeding them and like you know, a dog will respect that and recognize that. I I feel, you know, but a cat no, nah, man, like you scratch their belly the wrong way, they're going to try to devour your hand, you know? It's like Diffusing a bomb all the time. I have it yeah. uh, if I deal yeah. with a cat. There's plenty yeah. of stories to prove that cats are not your friend. So when you have like an elderly person with a pet and they unfortunately pass away, if they have a, sorry for the, if you're squeamish, maybe don't listen to this next <laughs> part, but we're getting ready for Halloween here. So, you know, if, if, yeah. you, if somebody passes away and they have a pet with them, if it's a cat, they'll wait like ah, five minutes and they'll start chowing down. You know, if it's a dog, the dog will be like crying over him and just like howling and being all sad and stuff, you know, like they're just two completely different animals. The cats. Yeah. They're not yeah. your friends. You know, <laughs> to, to a cat, all you are is a meal that's just too big for them to eat right now. They'll get you, you know, eventually. They're tremendously better than us too. You can't forget that. Right. You ever they're see the owners of the house? You ever see a pet cat? You know, he's just sitting there staring at you. You know, what's going through his head, right? He's like, if I could just figure out how to eat that fucking thing, you know? <laughs> They're just, they're, the gears are running. They're like, what if I do this? No, that wouldn't work. What if I do this? Oh man, I want to eat that thing, you know, but I can't. But there are some, there are some cats that are cool oh, there's good as ones. hell. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've met one that it was amazing. It was fat, overweight, lived on a table, couldn't get off or get mauled by the dogs <laughs> that live there. And it had a little like birthed in Hitler stash. I kid you not. Like, I, okay. Yeah, like right on the and it was cockeyed too. It was cross-eyed. <laughs> it was a cross-eyed <laughs> fat Hitler cat. stash cat. Oh, it was awesome. This sounds like one a, of the a very unique cats. cat. Talk about oh, strange things. Maybe like the mind boggle. <laughs> it's, it's a new. I think we've discovered a new cryptid here. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, Sophie. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, anyways, back to the Nazca lines. <laughs> oh, okay. shit. It's All right. like the 10th so time. <laughs> another kind of far-reaching theory is there's a relationship between the Nazca lines and population control. Really? Yeah, and there's two ways you can look huh. at this. One is that when there were times of famine and there was little rain and the population decreased, then they would 
draw these lines to appease their gods and ask for rain so that you can kind of, if you were able to date the lines or interpret the lines, they would show you the cycles of population among the Nazca people. And then, uh, so then you can look at it another way too. And you could say, well, <laughs> this is not my theory. I always like to, you know, start with that. <laughs> um, uh, if you, if you, as the ruler of the Nazca people are concerned because it's a time of famine or there's just not enough food, what you can do is you can put this people to work so that they're too tired and too busy to reproduce. Hmm. Okay. But if you put them to work, they're going to need more calories, right? I didn't say it was my theory. <laughs> okay, okay. People are really excited about population control. I feel like it's kind of a hot topic. So. Yeah, it is a hot topic. Yeah, I thought you were going to tie it into something more modern. but No, that was just the theory. Okay. Well, hey, so. you know, I'm willing to entertain various theories. It's all good fun, you know? And we were talking a little bit about zodiac signs and uh, astronomy and that sort of thing. And there's also a relationship between the Nazca lines and solar eclipses. Hmm. And uh, some of the constructions coincide when, with, with certain solar eclipses. So you can say, well, this particular uh, geoglyph would have been made during the time of this solar eclipse and it points in that direction and... And they called it uh, the Eye of God. Hmm. I don't know why they call it that. Interesting. Well, maybe because if there's a solar eclipse, then it looks like an eye, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. It's supposed to be seen. I think it's supposed to be seen by the Eye of God. Oh, okay. So we're talking a lot about like ancient aliens and uh, visiting our planet. A lot of people don't want to talk about mysticism. Mm-hmm. Right? The fact that, well, these people did believe in their ancestors looking down upon them or maybe in a higher power. And is that an explanation? Like, we don't know. We don't know anything about what happens in the afterlife or where our ancestors go or if we're, you know, taken up somehow. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's an explanation too. Yeah. And there's there's actually, at the end of the day, there's so little evidence for any of these Nazca lines. And for me, the the main thing for me is what I mentioned earlier, why would they make them so dang big? You know, to me, it seems like they were clearly trying to draw signs for somebody in the sky, whether that's gods or whether it was, you know, actual visitors from space or whether they saw some sort of celestial event, like even just meteor showers, and they interpreted that as being somebody flying around in the sky. I think they definitely made these things for somebody in the sky. Now, who that is, there's really no way to know. And it's just kind of fun to speculate about. But it's hard for me to say that these things were made purely for irrigation or whatever, when you cannot even fathom what the shape of it is without being way up in the air. If it was made for some ceremonial purpose, for religious purpose, for irrigation or whatever, my thought is that they would have been much, much smaller so that you could easily see them, even if they're really big, even 50 feet across, you could still see them from the ground and they would have drawn them so that if you stood at the foot of it, you know, you could see it like because it'd be elongated or whatever. Like they would have made it to where you could understand what these drawings were from the ground one way or another, not made them to where you literally had to be up in the air 
to understand what they were besides just squiggly lines. At the same time, the drawings are kind of crude. You know, if you think about it, they're not terribly artistic. They're somewhat crude. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you look at, they're very precise the way they're drawn and especially like the geometric ones. Like the one with the monkey's tail and it's yeah. like a spiral. And there's one that's just like these geometric shapes and stuff that like that has like the golden ratio in there and stuff. And the like they're very symmetrical. Like I can't, I can't draw, you give me a pencil and a paper. I can't draw something six inches across that's that symmetrical. You try doing it 600 feet across or 1,000 feet across, forget about it. There, I don't understand. It's like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to be able to do that. I right? actually wish I'd taken more notes on very specific geoglyphs. because they're, yeah. they're, But there's so many. There's right. so many. There's I didn't hundreds know which ones and hundreds of them. Yeah. yeah. They've discovered a lot more recently than we knew even existed in the area. And by recently, we mean like a couple of years. Yeah, I think I mentioned earlier, it seems like starting in about 2018 or so, they started discovering a lot of them. Um, I have that they've recently discovered 143. And my favorite one was a two-headed snake feasting on humans. Nice. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean to blow it out of proportion, but do you think it was something that like the whole world was just witness to these lights that would just cruise across the sky and they were like, oh, those aren't natural lights or whatever the hell they were. And they were just, you know, trying to throw down like whatever they would think is something that would show like, hey, we're advanced. We can draw pictures in the earth. (laughs) Kind of like an SOS. Right. There you go. An SOS in the sand. Like you got the, and other, you know, we got the, the candelabra in Peru as well, you know, and I, if I'm not sure, like it almost looks like a cactus to me, but it's, um. Are you talking about the trident geoglyph? No, yeah. If you look it, at the base of it, the base is way too symmetrical and, and regular, like there's right angles. If it was a cactus, I figured, I figured it wouldn't have like those sharp angles and like those. I don't know, like the top of it looks like it could maybe be a plant, but look at the base. Are you looking at a picture of it right now, Agent Kruger? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, look at the base of it. Look how that, how even that looks. It looks, um, I don't know. I mean, you could, you could, it's hard to say what it is. It, they call it the candelabra. Maybe I think it's, it's a, a rocket ship. Maybe it's a cactus. Yeah, if you turn it upside <laughs> down, right? Yeah, right. Looks like that a rocket. Or it looks like a yeah, space invader. Yes. Yes, exactly. Rock a man. And then there's a, but the other one that I would, I wanted to pitch this in, it was that, you know, what if it was just master art, not like, uh, not artisans, but you know, uh, cause you have the other one in Peru, that's the tapestry where it's like a rug basically So you know, what if they were just flexing, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, we can do this, huh? Why don't you show us what you got? You got your, you got your pile of rocks over there in Stonehenge. <laughs> Fuck you. I got a, I got a spider. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it's definitely fascinating, nonetheless. Yeah, it, it's just really interesting just to say, what if, you know, it's what, oh, yeah. what the hell are these things? Why were they made? And, uh, you know, who made them? Or we know who made them. But I mean, how did they make it? I don't know. It's just really weird. Like, well, we think. Yeah. We think we know. It could be a very similar thing as, as opposed, like, you know, like for instance, in my opinion, like the Incas, the structures that uh, are you know, attributed to the Incas. I think those were actual ruins that they, you know, re-inhabited, you know, because like, there, there's Inca era structures that have been definitely, you know, identified as being made in that era, like uh, by, you know, um, 
Europeans, but I mean, how, how accurate that is, I don't know. But but at any rate, there seems to definitely be, definitely be layers of civilizations that that you know at one point or another, like like uh, took over ruined structures. You know that that were the earliest like the earliest ones are always the best. Uh, you know, uh, constructed. You know, hmm. construction. I'm not familiar with that. It could be a good topic for another episode. I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's it's one I definitely hope we uh, we touch on eventually. But like what I'm saying though is like so a lot of these geoglyphs, it could be the case that these geoglyphs are very very ancient, but they were found by the Nazca culture that we know mm-hmm. know of, and they were you know reappropriated. I guess you could say. Right. You know what I mean? They still would have had to view them though from very high up. Right. Yes. Which is yeah. So strange. That's the strangest part to me is I just, I can't understand like, why would they make them so big? And if you're going to, like, if you draw a painting, you can take a step back and look at it and go, okay, this one turned out good. It's ready, you know, to go to whoever paid me to paint this. But if you're making these glyphs, you can never double check them to make sure they're correct, right? They're so big that you're not going to know that you did it right. You can... You draw these, you can never see them as a shape. You, you're not going to know that you did it correctly. It's such a strange thing. But all right. Do you have any other theories for us, Ether? No? No, I think that pretty much sums it up. We went over a lot of different theories. Yeah, yeah. We touched on a lot of them. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess let's let's wrap it up. It's about We're about an hour and a half. Probably edit that down a little bit to uh, who knows what. Okay. But, um, if, I could, if I could make a tribute real quick, if you yeah. don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. No, I would like to thank Norm Macdonald for everything he had ever has he has ever done all all the uh, entertainment and enjoyment that I've got from him. I don't know if you guys know, but Norm Macdonald just recently passed away. Oh no way! I didn't see that. No. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. a couple as a couple of days ago now uh, at the time of this recording. Um, but yeah, I I, I want I think that Norm Macdonald was one of the greats of of uh, stand-up comedy and comedy just in general of yeah. our generation. And um, he's he's definitely going to be well missed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, stand up individual. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's when when they when they kicked. I remember when they kicked him off of SNL. It's like, well, <laughs> why why even watch that show anymore? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right about the time I lost interest with yeah. it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he's yeah a real talent. I I did not hear that, and that's very unfortunate. Well. Our our thoughts go out to his friends and family, and it's you know it's sad to lose somebody of that of that talent. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a legend, a yeah. true legend. Yeah, watching some of his interviews were some of the most funniest things. I mean, like uh, the one I think uh, not the most recent, but it was he was on Conan, and he uh, decided to just basically uh, improv after the commercial break because he said, "Hey, and we'll be back with more." Uh, you know, more Warren McDonald, and he he was like, "Wait, what? Oh, You're not done with me?" And then he basically dude. just turned a a, a a couple second joke into a five minute joke just to bleed oh, yeah. out the clock, and yeah. it was just it was hilarious. Dude, the interactions—that's uh, some of the best late night I've ever seen in my life. The interactions between Conan O'Brien and, and Norm McDonald, like they they just they had some they had this chemistry between them you know what i mean like it was comic some of it was com- comedical genius whatever if i'm pronouncing that right whatever mm-hmm. but but uh it, yeah so that that's some of my, my favorite my favorite stand up that i mean uh, late night i'm sorry that i've ever seen yeah norm yeah all right well norm you will be missed 
And on that note, let's go ahead and wrap it up for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Discord. Keep it strange.